you could very well call this class Vision Class 201. Sunday would have been Vision 101 class. This is 201 because the vision of our church is to make disciples by loving God and loving people. And this class is about disciples making disciples. And because disciples make disciples, they make disciple makers. So disciples make disciples makers. Now, why are we doing this class? Sunday, I was a little taken back by the experience we had in corporate worship. I don't know what it means yet. I don't know what the Lord is doing, but I can simply tell you that based on what we experience Sunday, God is doing something. We normally have somewhere between 12 and 1,400 people in worship on a given Sunday. This last Sunday, we had over 1,700 in corporate worship. Um, All I can say is that God is working. There's no explanation that makes sense to me outside the fact that God is working. Now, we may have 400 this Sunday, and I'll just tell you again, God is working. It's just in a different way. Um, But he is definitely working, and, and I want us to be prepared to be the instruments of God to do what only we can do as our church family, placed where we have been uniquely placed among the people that are our people to reach. And by reaching our people, we would ripple into reaching the ends of the earth. I'm doing this class because I think God is working and he wants us to join him. And he wants us to join him in making disciples. I'm doing this class because along the way of my life, I had people who came alongside me who loved Jesus. Just loved him. And they shared with me about the way that Jesus loved them. And I wanted to know the Jesus they talked about. And I came to know him, and I have spent the better part of my life seeking to know him more and more. And I simply love the Lord. I love him. He's changed my life. He radically affects every moment of my day. He's accepted me in my darkest, most embarrassing, shameful moments, and he's washed me clean and made me new. He has brought me into the holy place to hear the whispers of his goodness and grace in moments that strengthened me for things I never thought I could accomplish except that God chose to do it through me. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. And I find it an utter joy to spend my life for him. And I'm constantly disappointed in my failures to not spend my life better for him because I see his great love for me. I've tried to spend my life instructing my family to love this Jesus I know. I've tried to spend my pastor calling, instructing people to love this Jesus that I know because I want people to know this Jesus that loves me because I know that when people know Jesus and his love, it changes everything. I'm doing this class because I love Jesus and I want our church family to love Jesus more so that we might help others meet the Jesus we know. That's why I'm doing this. And I hope you sense that every single week, that every bit of this is just flowing out of Jesus' love for me and his love for you. And he's simply calling us to respond to his love. The other reason I'm doing this class is because every single one of us here would agree with this truth. If a group of farmers If a group of farmers got together during harvest time and they gathered in one of their buddies' barns and they spent time sharpening their hoes and talking about how they might hoe their weeds better, plant their crops better, pick better seed or water at a better time or determine the seasons and the weather, maybe have more meetings together to talk about the weather. 
If they spent all this time working together to be better farmers, but they never left the barn during harvest and went into the field, we would say of those farmers, they're the dumbest farmers we've ever seen, right? What I don't want to happen is for our city and our world to look at us who claim to follow Jesus and say they're the dumbest group of Christians I've ever seen. All they ever do is go to their barn and talk about the harvest, but they not once have come to my door to tell me about Jesus. The harvest is ripe, and we're right in the middle of it. If you need a reminder, just show up again on Sunday. Just walk down your street. Think about who your neighbors are. Just go to the grocery store and look around you. Just look around. We are in the middle of a ripe harvest. And I'm doing this class in hopes that we would not keep meeting and fail to do. But we would meet in order to see Christ and believe in him. And because we believe, go and do. That's the heart of this class. Okay? So here's, here's what we're going to do. Every week, I'm going to try to come in and share with you something to believe. Because being a disciple maker is first about what we believe, not first about what we do. I am far more concerned with what we believe than what we do. Because I am convinced if we believe the right things, out of the knowledge of Jesus Christ will come the right actions. And so we're going to talk about what to believe foundationally each week. And from that, we'll talk about what to do when we believe what we should believe. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about what you should believe. And then I'm going to give you some suggestions on next steps of things to do. We're going to be very simple and very basic because we simply can't get more essential than the basics of what we must believe. And so let's dig into something tonight that we need to believe, and let's look at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, I've given you a key definition here. It's a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who joyfully pursues the experiences of a relationship with Jesus, characterized by vital involvements with other believers, resulting in a reproducing lifestyle or a disciple-making lifestyle. When I talk about a disciple, that's what I mean. And that definition has been derived from the teachings of Scripture on what it means to be a follower of Christ, a disciple. There are three key concepts that are represented in that definition that we will keep visiting through our time together. Tonight's key concept is the relationship with Jesus Christ. The second key concept is community of believers, being involved in a community of believers. And the third key concept is a lifestyle of disciple-making or a reproducing lifestyle. So those are a key passage, I mean a key definition and key concepts that I want you to keep in mind as we move forward. All right? So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read verse 1 and 2. Now, I will encourage you to read all of 2 Timothy if you'd like to dig more into what I'm talking about tonight because all of 2 Timothy is just packed full of wonderful things to believe within the context of making disciples. All right? So Paul is speaking to Timothy And Paul has a special relationship with Timothy. He calls Timothy his son in the faith. So Paul has taken Timothy under his wing and has helped Timothy become who God has called him to be. He's helped Timothy know Christ in such a way that Timothy can help others know Christ. And so we're getting to look into, peer into, by virtue of this letter, this special relationship that exists between Paul and Timothy, a discipler and a disciplee. A disciple who's making a disciple who can make disciples. And we're getting to see their interchange. 
And this is what Paul says to Timothy. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you hear that commission of disciple making? I have taught you. And now you are to teach others who can teach others so that they actually will go out and teach others. So he gives us commission that is right in line with what we're talking about. But he does it on the basis of the foundation of the grace of God. He says you need to be strong. You need to keep on being strong in the grace of God. And now I want you to take whatever I've taught you and teach it to people who can teach others. But it's built upon the foundation of God's grace. Now the reason why... Paul encourages Timothy at this point to be strong in the grace of God is because of what he's already said. Now certainly we know he wants Timothy to be strong in the grace of God because of the commission to make disciples. But there's something else that he said before this at the end of chapter 1 that results in him saying be strong in the grace of God. Keep on being strong. That's why he says therefore. So let's look back at chapter 1. Look at verse 8 with me. Verse 8, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So he says right there, I want you to join with me in suffering for the gospel, which is wonderfully good because of God's grace rescuing me for his glory. So join me in suffering. So why is it that Paul wants Timothy to be strong in the grace which is in Christ? Because the way of the gospel, the way of the disciple maker is a difficult way. It's a way that's filled with suffering. Later in 2 Timothy, Paul is going to tell Timothy, anyone who desires to live a life of godliness will experience suffering. The reason that Timothy needs to keep on being strengthened in the grace that it's in Christ Jesus is because if you decide to be a disciple maker, it will be a difficult life. You need to be strong in grace because suffering often accompanies the gospel. Now, one of the things I think is wonderful about that is that suffering is not bad if we understand it biblically, but we certainly wouldn't say suffering is good either. It's just a road that is frequently experienced when you take up the gospel and you make disciples. But it's a road that's saturated with the promises of eternal reward and seasoned with temporary blessing. And so he says, be strong in the grace of God because it's going to be hard. The second thing he says um, about the difficulty and the challenge of carrying the gospel is in, verses, is in verse 13 and 14. He says, you need to be strengthened in the grace which is in Christ because... Verse 13 and 14, you need to retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ. This is chapter 1. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So what has Paul just said to Timothy? Timothy, what you're doing and what I'm commissioning you to do and what's been given to you is much bigger than you. This is a lot more significant than you. And you need to make sure you guard the sound truth that's been entrusted to you, that you guard the treasure that you have to display Christ. And you need to make sure that you take care of this stuff because, listen, this is bigger than you. This is a message that you can't afford to mess up. This is a message you need to adequately represent and protect and guard. This is bigger than you can handle, and you need to be strengthened by the grace of God. Here's the bottom line. When it comes to disciple-making, there's not a person in this room that's adequate for the task. Not a one. 
but our inadequacy makes us perfect vessels for the strength of the grace of God to make us more than adequate to glorify God in these vessels of brokenness for his glory. But none of that happens if we are not strengthened in the grace of God. And the last thing he mentions here in verse 15, he says, you're aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me. And then he names a couple guys who turned away. Sprinkled throughout all of 2 Timothy are these names and descriptions of individuals who have departed from the faith, who are standing against the faith, who have at one time been a part of the faith and now they've departed and walked away from the faith. It's just sprinkled throughout the whole thing. And it creates this incredible contrast demonstrating there are some that stand in opposition to the faith and some who once were in the faith and now have walked away from the faith. And Paul is saying, look, This is a hard road. And there are going to be some who you think are with you who will walk away from you. There are going to be some who stand against you in the worst moments and in the worst ways. And you'll simply never keep doing it. You'll never keep being a disciple maker if you are not continually strengthened in the grace of God. And then he says, therefore, be strengthened in the grace of Christ which is in Christ. Right there in verse one, we are reminded that the grace of God is what we need in the face of this great calling because we simply cannot do it without God's grace. This last summer, I took my dad and Caden fly fishing and uh, they, they love when they're, when they're fishing with me, I'm kind of helping them and rowing a boat and they're fishing. I'm doing all the work. They're having all the fun. And uh, they, they like to have this friendly competition to see who catches the most fish. And so we fish for about five days, and they're keeping a daily tally and who wins. And thankfully, Papaw's a good sport, and I'm not sure if he lets Caden win. I don't think he does because I grew up with him, and I'm sure that that wouldn't be what he does. But Caden beats him every day. And they catch anywhere between 20 and 50 fish apiece per day. So they're catching a ton load of fish. If you were to ask my dad tonight if he was a good fly fisherman, he would say he is. But I'm here to tell you right now, if it were not for me, he wouldn't catch one single fish. (laughs) Not one. He goes on vacation sometimes to places where you can catch trout by fly fishing. And I asked him, did you try to fish? He goes, oh, I tried it for a little while. I said, well, did you have any luck? No, I didn't catch a thing. I'm like, yeah, because you can't fish without me. He cannot, he can't can't put the, the line through the eye of the hook. He can't figure out where to catch the fish. He can't figure out where to cast the bait. He, he doesn't know what he's doing without me there. But if I'm there, he can catch one fish after another. And that's exactly what it's like with God's grace. There's not a single person in this room that can do anything. Anything. Apart from Jesus Christ. But through the grace of Jesus Christ, we all who could formerly do nothing for God can honor him beyond our wildest imaginations as disciple makers. But it requires grace of God. And the wonderful news about God's grace is that it's the unmerited gift of God's favor, without which every one of us would certainly fail and find no remedy for our failure. But through placing our faith in Jesus Christ, we are recipients of the unmerited gift of God's favor that invites us, who were once enemies of God, to become friends of God. The grace of God took us, who were separated from God and without hope in this world, and brought us near to God so that we might hear the mind of God through the person of Christ. The grace of God rescued each one of us so that we might experience the wonder and the awe of simply knowing God. It's impossible for any one of us in this room to know God. But yet through grace, God has made possible for us every single one by placing our faith in Christ to know God. Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse three that to know God is eternal life. 
We've been given the opportunity to have eternal life, and I think sometimes we think eternal life is something that happens when we die. The Bible teaches that eternal life is, in essence, simply knowing God. Now, certainly, something happens when we die. We know God like we could not know him here because we are transformed. We are completely made brand new once and for all, and so the knowledge of God is different at that point. But eternal life is simply knowing God, and it's the grace of God that transforms sinners like you and me so that we can then be in a relationship with God. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 9 and 10, he says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. You see, Jesus Christ came so that we might behold the glory of God in the flesh and then know God through a person, Jesus Christ. God wanted us not to know about him. He wanted us to know him. And so he came himself in the form of man and made a gift to us through the death of Christ that we might be invited into a relationship with him. And the word of God is what God gave us that testifies about Jesus. It's these words beginning to end that point out who Jesus is. And when we dive into this book, we get to know Jesus. And when we get to know Jesus, we know God. And when we get to know God, we know grace because there is simply no way any one of us could know God outside of the unmerited gift of God's favor. And it comes simply through trusting in Jesus Christ. You want to know how you Keep getting strengthened in the grace of God. You just keep getting to know Jesus. There's no greater gift of God's grace to our lives than the opportunity to know Christ to know him and to keep on knowing him, not to meet him at one point and say, nice to meet you, glad you changed my life, I'm gonna go now know the rest of life there is to know. No, that is not grace. Grace does not instruct us to meet Jesus once and walk away from Jesus and spend our lives any way we want to spend them. No, the grace of God instructs us to meet Jesus once and to then meet him again and again and again every day the rest of our lives so he dictates our life and we enjoy how he's created us to live for our joy for his glory the the greatest gift of God's grace is that we get to know him if you don't know Christ you will not care about making disciples Let me phrase it like this. If you are not continually getting to know Christ, you will not care to make disciples. Do you know why we wane in making disciples over time? Because it's difficult. People are hard. The situations are terrible. The earth is against us. This is a broken place and people are messed up. And it is messy work making disciples. And we simply won't last in the endeavor if it's not flowing out of a regular, knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have to spend time knowing Christ in order to have the passion to help others know Christ. There is no other way to become a disciple maker. One of the funny parts about the pastor search process that I was involved in, what seems to be a long time ago now, um, is the time when we started discussing when the search committee would meet Lindley. So there was a long period of time in the search process where they didn't know Lindley, they had not seen Lindley in in, any kind of live setting. It was just me and them. And then it came time when it was inevitable that they would meet Lindley. And a conversation occurred And I can't give an accurate rending of it, and I'm probably going to embellish it a little bit for the sake of entertainment. (laughs) But, But it's something like this. I said, the committee needs to be 100% certain about their decision regarding me. There needs to be no questions that you want me to be your pastor. You all need to be unanimous, 100% certain, over the top. The reason I said that, or something like it, is because I 
no Lindley. And I know what she brings to the table. And I know what she has meant to me in ministry and life. And I know how she has been faithful as a pastor's wife, as, as a wife, as a mother. I know the joy she brings into people's lives. I know, I know her. And this is what I told the committee. I said, you need to be certain of me because the moment you meet her, you will hire me just to get her. <laughs> they laughed just like you're laughing, and then I said, I'm 100% serious. <laughs> That's what will happen. When we know Jesus, I mean, when we know Jesus, and we tell somebody about the one we are knowing, who has rescued us, who has forgiven us our sins, who has wiped away every ounce of shame and regret, who has taken every dirty part of who we are and rescued us for his glory. When we know that Jesus, and we tell somebody about that Jesus that we know, we will catch their attention. Hudson Taylor, who was the founder of the Inland China Mission Movement many, many years ago, he would evaluate candidates to go over into China as a missionary. He heard many reasons why people would go, and this is what Hudson Taylor said. He said, of all the reasons that people give for going overseas as a missionary, whether it's God commanded it in Scripture or there are people over there that unless they hear about Jesus Christ will die and go to hell. Whatever reason that they give, all of the reasons, no matter how biblical and correct they are, those reasons will fail them in the moment of difficulty, trial, challenge, and in the face of death. They will not hang in there when they give those reasons. There's only one reason that stands up in the face of tests and trial in the face of death, and the reason is the love of Christ. If the love of Christ does not compel you, you will not care for people. We all We'll find ourselves caring about ourselves when we are not identifying with the love Christ has for us. We must be a people who know him every day. Just opening your Bible. I want to know you. I want to be surprised at how much you love me today. Because if I don't see your love for me today in a fresh way, your forgiveness in, in a real way, if I'm not, as Paul encourages Timothy there in chapter 2, remember Jesus. If I'm not remembering Jesus on a regular basis, knowing him, I will gravitate towards self-absorption and self-centeredness, and I will relabel my self-centeredness as worship of God. And I will be deceived, and I will be an idolater, and I will not make a difference for the kingdom in any shape or form. The only thing that keeps us safe is the knowledge of Christ. We need to be a people who say, I have seen with the eyes of my heart Jesus on the cross for me. And I've heard him say to the ears of my heart, I died for you. Now go and tell someone else, I love them like you've heard me say, I love you. We need to be a people who know Christ. It's not easy. It's hard. It's rigorous. It's daily. It's tedious. It's effort. It's discipline. It's all those things. But it's a joyful experience after a joyful experience of a real relationship with the one who saved you. We need to know Christ. That's the only way we will be strengthened in grace. We are in desperate need of this strength. That contrast that's created here in 2 Timothy between those who depart from the faith and what Paul is encouraging Timothy to be is made possible for Timothy by being strengthened in grace. Everybody who departs from the faith is in contrast to what Paul wants Timothy to be. 
Paul wants Timothy to be one who finishes the faith. Later in 2 Timothy, Paul says, I've finished. I've I've poured my life out as a drink offering. I've finished this thing. I've given my all. Why is he telling Timothy that I want you to finish well? I don't want you to be like Demas who loved the world and departed and left me behind and Jesus high and dry. I want you to finish strong and you better be strengthened in grace because if you're not strengthened in grace, you're going to give up. You're going to walk out on Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but I have experienced in my life some very dear friends departing from the faith. And it has broken my heart. I cannot stand departures of the faith from people who said they believe. It drives me crazy. And yet I know the reality is that I am not safe from that danger save the grace of God. And I must myself make sure I am strong in the grace of Christ. And the only way to be strengthened in the grace of Christ is to know Christ. If we are not daily knowing Christ, We are in danger of departing from Christ. There is no middle ground. There is no, well, it's been four or five weeks since I spent any time with Jesus. I'm just having a rough time here. I'll get back to it another time. We can talk like that. We can act like that. We can get away with that for a time. But from a spiritual, biblical perspective, this is what God says about that. You are in danger from departing from Christ. Do not mess around. You cannot live this life outside of being strengthened by the grace of God through knowing Christ. You need to know Christ every day. Make the time. Spend the effort. Trust that he wants you to know him more than you will ever want to know him. That's grace. Just rest in his grace and end up on the right side of grace where the grace of God instructs you to deny ungodliness and to take up his calling. We've got to be a people who know him. You familiar with the story in John chapter 4 about the Samaritan woman who comes to the well? She's carrying a water pot in some form or fashion on her head or on her shoulder, under her arm, whatever. She's carrying this water pot. Strange time of day. The Bible doesn't tell us why. She's just heading there. And much to her surprise, when she gets to this well, she sees a Jewish man. This woman is a Samaritan, and she knows that Samaritans and Jews are enemies. They don't like each other. And then you have the cultural issues between how men and women were interacting Certainly, she did not expect this Jewish man to say a word to her, and yet he speaks to her. She comes to find out that this is not any ordinary man. That this is, in fact, the Savior of the world. The one she is to worship. The one that has come to save her. This is the Messiah. You know what she does? The Bible is so cool in this story. It says she leaves her water pot at the well and runs home to tell people about Jesus. And then all the people she told because of her actually knowing Jesus want to go and meet this Jesus she knows. All of a sudden in her life, what for her whole life had been primary, carrying that water pot to the well to get water, to go back home and do all the things her home required that needed water. What had for her whole life been primary, all of a sudden, became secondary because now she realized that going to that well with that water pot wasn't about filling up the pot with water. It was about meeting Jesus Christ. You know, later that day, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I suspect she still had to get water. Life went on, right? 
But I can promise you this. She never went to get water again the same way. Because she now knew that carrying that pot to the water well every day of her life was less about getting the water and more about continuing to follow Jesus. Knowing him and making him known. What I am asking the Lord to do is to send a wave of disciple-making in this place so that we would be a people who stop spending our lives simply carrying a bunch of water pots to wells that we think we have to do because that's why we're living. And we would instead be transformed and keep carrying those same pots to the wells of water, but know that what we're really doing with our lives is not about the well and the water it's about knowing Jesus and making him known there's not a person in this room that does not need to work whether you work for money or you work for no money we're all called and commissioned by God to be active in work it's a gift from God but our work is not the purpose of our lives our work is the vehicle of knowing Jesus and making him known many of you in here are raising kiddos did you know what Raising kiddos is a great opportunity and a great adventure of life, but you know that's not the purpose of your life. Your purpose of life is not to raise your kids. Your purpose of life is to see raising kids as a vehicle for making disciples, for loving Jesus and making Jesus known to your children and then to everyone your children will meet the rest of their lives. I'm asking the Lord to do something here like he was doing here in 2 Timothy. Paul invested his life in Timothy and commissioned Timothy to invest his life in others who would then invest their lives in others. Did you count that generations? You got four generations. Paul to Timothy is your first generation. Timothy to those guys, your second generation those guys to their guys, third generation, four generations from Paul all the way down to the guys who are giving out the gospel way down the line. What I'm praying for is that we would have a sweeping rush of first generation disciple makers right here in our church family. And then we'd see a second generation come along making disciples and a third generation. When we get to the fourth generation of disciple making in this church family, not because it's a program, but because it's our hearts cry because we know Christ. We will be experiencing a wave of disciple making as its theoretical, biblical maximum. And we will touch this city like we cannot imagine in a ripple to the ends of the earth. And I want to honestly tell you that is why I believe I'm here. But you can say the same thing. You, know, you want to know why you're here? to be a disciple who makes disciple makers. Are you with me? All right. So what do you need to believe? Here's what you need to believe. You must be strengthened in the grace of God through knowing Jesus Christ to make disciples. You must be strengthened in the grace of God is in Christ, in knowing Christ, in order to make disciples. It doesn't work any other way. If every single one of us would make a decision from this night forward to spend every day doing everything we can to be strengthened in the grace of God which is in Christ, we'll make disciples because that's what disciples do when they're strengthened in the grace of God. And we can do it one week instead of nine weeks. But I want to help you a little bit more than that, so we'll go eight more weeks. But this is it. You need to believe that you can only be a disciple maker if you are strengthened in the grace of God, which is in Christ. And if you are strengthened in grace of God, which is in Christ, you will make disciples. Okay, here are some action steps. I want to ask you each week to memorize some scripture. Now let me tell you why 
I'm big into the why. Because if I tell you what to do, you may say you don't want to do it. But if I convince you why you should and you agree with me, I won't have to convince you to do anything else because you'll do it. All right, so here's the why. I want you to memorize a couple scriptures every week because I want you to be able to share the gospel in a very conversational way while benefiting from the power of God's word spoken to a hearer. Okay? When we speak God's word to someone, whether they know we're speaking God's word or not, the Bible communicates that there is extreme and amazing power in speaking God's word to a hearer. And then Isaiah 55 says it doesn't even return void. It accomplishes that which we spoke it for. We speak God's word, and it is powerful to the hearer. Okay, so memorize these scriptures so that you can share the gospel in a conversational way. Now, the scriptures that I'm going to ask you to memorize are the scriptures that are in this three circles conversation guide. And we'll make these available again as we go. And uh, we'll, we'll do more in-depth stuff on how to talk to somebody about Christ. I, I want to help everyone in here feel a ton more comfortable with that reality. And so we're going to do that. But in order to do that well, you need to memorize the scriptures that are in this so that you could present this on a napkin and have all the scriptures in your head and be able to do it with or without this piece of paper. It's much easier to share your heart when you're not tied to this. Nothing wrong with being tied to that. I want you to be able to do it well, benefit from the power of God's word. So here, there is an app for this. It's called Life Conversations, and uh, you can get that from the app store as well. Thank you, Charles Lee. Okay, the two scriptures, Genesis 131, Psalm 19.1. Genesis 131, Psalm 19.1. Those are the two passages. They're very easy. Here's how you memorize scripture. Um, Write it down. Okay, that helps your brain retain what you're looking at if you'll write it down. Then read it 10 times. Just read through it 10 times. Try to write it from memory. Don't do anything else for the rest of the day. I mean, think about it if you want to, pray about it, whatever. The next day, read it 10 times. Try to write it down from memory the best you can. Okay, just do that. Three or four days, you'll have it down. And then the, after you get it down, just try to recite it from memory. And if you want to write it down from memory too, that reinforces it. If you just spend time reading through it 10 times, try to write it down from memory as best you can. Even if you mess it up, you're going to do great. Okay? So just make it real easy. Now, I don't care as much when it comes to Scripture memory about you um, getting it perfect. All right? So don't get all bent out of shape if you can't get every word. That's, that's not what this is about. You're not getting a grade. You want to be able to share something that is very representative of what God says. If you read these scriptures through 10 times for one week, when you go to share, you may not remember Genesis 131. You may not be able to recall the exact wording, but you will be able to share with somebody, God made everything, and everything God made was really, really good. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, next step, step number two, do some scripture reading every day. This should be no surprise after I've said all that I've said. I am a huge fan of daily scripture reading, not because I think it makes us better Christians to check off that I read my Bible today. I believe that the word of God is spirit and life and we know Christ through what God has said and what God has said is found in the Bible. And we need to saturate our hearts every day with his grace. And it starts with the word of God. So if you're doing daily Bible reading, keep doing it. You don't have to do what I'm fixing to say. If you're not doing daily Bible reading, do not leave tonight feeling guilty about not doing daily Bible reading. You'll miss the point of grace. Grace is instructing you to move forward, not look back and be immobilized. Okay? Everybody good? So if you're not doing daily Bible reading, here's a suggestion. Take the book of John and read one chapter a day, starting tomorrow until we come back next week. 
after you read a chapter of John, answer these two questions. Question number one, what do I need to believe about God? Read chapter one, I'm going to answer the question, what do I need to believe about God because of what I have understood in chapter one? The Bible is very clear that we don't understand the things of God except through the Spirit of God. If you understand something about God in the Bible, it's because God has illuminated your heart and mind to who he is. The only way you can understand him or anything in the Bible is because he purposes for you to know him. And so if you can answer that question, you can rest assured you've heard God speak to you through his word. You know what he has said. Okay? So you're going to answer the question, what should I believe about God? The next question you're going to answer is uh, the phone. The next. That's a scripture memory app. Okay, scripture memory app. Whatever. No, I know it is. That's good. All right, so the next question is, if I believe this about God, what will I stop doing or start doing as a result of this belief? See, if we believe things about God and it's biblical faith, biblical faith ends up doing something that looks like that faith. If we give assent to something and we think that something's really cool or good, I'm glad I found this out about God, but nothing changes in our lives, we have not exercised biblical faith. We have potentially gotten in a dangerous situation of experiencing false assurance. So, so, Biblical faith says, I believe this about God, and because I believe this about God, I believe God wants to change my life, or he wouldn't have shown me this about him. And so what is it that I need to do or stop doing because I believe this about God? And if I understand what that is, then I will believe God will already have supplied the power to begin to walk that out, because he has promised that he has given me everything I need for godliness through Christ and his grace. See how that works? That's all I'm going to do. Answer those two questions. And then if you want to formulate some kind of faith response in terms of a prayer, maybe it would sound something like this. So you could write down as a result of seeing those two things something that sounds like this. So if, if you're going to read John chapter 1, this is what I wrote down as a result of John chapter 1. Okay, let me give you an example. Because Jesus is the revelation of God or the explanation of God. That's from John 1.18. Because Jesus is the explanation of God. I will spend time each day this week seeking to know more about Jesus by reading a chapter of John in my Bible. And then I wrote down a little prayer. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to reveal yourself to me. Help me spend time seeing you this week by finding out more about Jesus by reading a chapter of John each day. Make sense? I'm just going to read a chapter, answer those two questions. And then, okay, action point number three, spend some time in prayer. So a little bit of scripture memory, a little bit of Bible reading, a little bit of prayer. And let me give you some, some simple guides for prayer, all right? Be thankful. Like, just be overly thankful. You know what I've discovered? It's very hard to remain self-centered when you try to be thankful about everything everything like like think of things that you could never be thankful for that are happening in your life or in the world and find a way to be thankful for them and you know what you'll find you'll find Jesus because he's the only way you can be thankful for a lot of things and if you just work on thankfulness you will find your heart gravitating towards intimacy with Christ so so just really be thankful a lot in your prayers okay so be a lot of thankfulness and then Talk to the Lord about who he is and what he said to you through the Bible. Lord, you, you told me in John chapter 1, verse 18, that Jesus is the revelation of you. So I'm, I think it's pretty cool that when I learn something about Jesus, I'm seeing you and I'm getting to know you. And the only way that I can know the, those things about you is because you cared enough about me to open my eyes to know you. I just think that's amazing, Lord. Thank you. That's incredible. I'm just talking to the Lord about who he is and what he's shown me. Just a little conversation, all right? And then ask the Lord to show you how he wants you to follow him today. Just, this comes out of Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord, see there be any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. I'm just saying, Lord, I know that you know 
what I need to do today before I do. I know that you know all that I need today and that you are my provider. I know that you have already gone before me. Would you just help me see what I need to do today to love somebody, to serve somebody, to share Christ with somebody? Just talk to him about what he wants you to do for the day. And then I think it's always good to share what's on your heart with the Lord. Just, just pray, prayer is to rightly orient our hearts to God as our Father, our perfect Father. We, that's why he wants us to talk to him. You, you know, when my kids were little, I would want them to come and ask me for things. Sometimes I knew that they needed it, but I still wanted them to ask me for it because I wanted them to orient the getting of that thing they need with having asked me. That, that God wants us to come to him because he wants us to be oriented to him as our good father. So talk to him about what's on your heart. He cares about you. And then if you want to write down a couple of prayer requests that you are going to be praying through the week, that really helps me to write down some prayers. This is what I'm going to pray this week. Just write it down. Now, I've given you a lot of action steps and I don't expect anyone to do everything I've asked nor to do what I do and the way I do it. Here's why. Praise God, he only made one of me. And he relates to me because I'm me in the way that is fitting for me. So the way I walk with the Lord is not how you should walk with the Lord. But there's no question that the, that the scripture and prayer and meditation and those things should be a part of all of our lives. But God knows how he wired you. You know, some of you can, can sit and pray for a long period of time because you can really concentrate. Some of you can't think for two seconds without being distracted. And, and for your whole life, you've thought, man, I just don't know how to pray because I'm so distracted all the time. I'm just this terrible prayer. And God's been sitting there going, uh, hello, I made your brain. And the fact that your brain is going all over the place is just the way I made you. And I've planned to meet you in all of that distraction and surprise you around every corner. Quit being frustrated about the way I made you and just enjoy my relationship with you. So just enjoy God's grace that he's already demonstrated to you that he loves you wants to know you and spend time with him because you won't want to spend time with someone else introducing them to Jesus if you haven't sat with him and been reminded of how much he loves you.